Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So church, we are a little less than 48 hours away from exiting one year and walking into the next year. We are about to say goodbye to 2018 and embrace 2019, whether we want to or not. 2019 is knocking on the door and he's coming in, okay? So we are right there on the threshold of 2019. And for some of us, we're looking forward to the new year. For some of us, this past year brought with it successes and victories that have built your faith. And you're excited and you're optimistic about 2019. You're optimistic about the future and what, what, what that entails. Yet there are others in this room that, that 2018 was not as kind to. And, and while some are celebrating this past year, you're grieving this past year. Because 2018 left you wanting. 2018 left you shallow. It, it left you hollow. It, it left you faithless. And, and if that's you, then I need you to understand that, that I believe God has given me this message today for you. I believe that he has prepared this just for you because before you walk out of this room today, before you walk into 2019, I want you walking into 2019 faith believing that God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Amen? I, I remember in, in 2010... I played fantasy football for the first time ever. I had never played fantasy football ever in my life. I, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Uh, let's don't talk about this year's fantasy football. This is not important. I don't really care who wins Rick Washburn. I don't care at all. But let's go back. Let's go back to 2010. My first year had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to draft. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. And that year I came in dead last. I was on the bottom of the totem pole. Had no idea what I was doing. And, and, and to help in my moment of despair, they gave me a, a little trophy. And it's a, it's a horse's rear is what it is. I got me a horse's rear trophy. It's in my office right now. If you come to my office one day, I'll show it to you. That year is not as important as 2011 because the next year was a turnaround year for the Pinnacle by PR, which is the name of my fantasy football team. Because that year, I went from dead last to first place and won the fantasy football championship. Somebody give it up for your pastor, yeah? That was a little weak, but I'll take it. Um, what a difference that year can make, right? From, from dead last to first take Florida football, for instance. You knew I was going there, right? Florida football, last year, as painful as it is for me to say it, we were four and seven. I don't ever. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. You do know you need security to walk out of this room now, right? We were, we were four and seven last year. We lost 38 to 22 to FSU at home. At home, we lost 38 to 22. The demon jumped from here to there. And, and we didn't play in a bowl game. When has that happened in Florida football? This was ridiculous. You fast forward to this year, and as of yesterday, we are 10 and three. We beat FSU, yeah, listen to this. 
We beat FSU 41 to 14 in Tallahassee. Now what? Now what? We played in a New Year's Six bowl game and we crushed Michigan in the Peach Bowl yesterday and everybody loves that, yeah. Even my Ohio State fans over here. A lot can happen in one year. I don't know if you saw this or not, and, and I'm not trying to exploit anything, but, but there's this video online of, of one of Florida's senior tight ends. And, and it showed him in the locker room as Dan Mullen, Coach Mullen, was finishing up his speech yesterday. And, and this senior tight end speaks up and he says, Coach, can I say something? And, and, and with his voice quivering, if you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. And, and with his voice quivering, he thanks Coach Mullen for coming to Florida and coaching the Gators. And he says, without you, we wouldn't be where we're at. And, and this is the statement that got me on this video. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I teared up at this moment because he said in December of last year, he was thinking about quitting football. But he stuck it out. And one year later, the, the circumstances are completely different. And now he's a Peach Bowl champion. A lot can happen in one year. And so many people lose hope of that. So many people lose hope of what can happen in 12 months' time. And some of you, you're ready to say goodbye to 2018 because 2018 was not kind to you and it left you messed up. And the enemy would have you believe that 2019 is going to go from bad to worse. But today I want you to understand that the last 12 months have no power over the next 12 months unless you allow it to. And so somebody needs to get ready for this time next year. I'm not a prophet. I've never claimed to be a prophet. But today I'm speaking prophetically. This time next year, your life is going to look different. Second Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 8. One day Elisha went on to Shunem where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Just hold your spot there. We'll return back to 2 Kings chapter 4 in a moment. But I want you to notice that this Shunammite woman and her husband, they purposely made room for the prophet of God to be a part of their lives and, and to actually come in and eat and sleep and rest under their rooftop. The prophet Elisha was the anointed of God, and that's what he represents. He represents the anointing of God. He was the voice piece for God. God was using him to speak to Israel during that time. And this man, the Shunammite man and woman, they made room for God's anointing to reside under their roof. There was time invested in that project. We live in such a busy time that it's all we can do to keep up with our own schedules, much less make time for someone else. How can God use us when our schedules are so full of us? 
If there's anything that is plaguing this nation is that we have become so self-centered, especially with our time. We are extremely self-centered with our time. And we bombard our schedules. We load up our schedules, not just us, but our families. We load up our family calendar with so much stuff that if God wanted to use us in any way, I'm not sure that we would have the time for God to use us. So listen, right off the bat, here's some great life coaching for you. If you want a better year, get control of your schedule before it controls you. Start 2019 off right. Make priority for the things of God first, and then watch how God adds to your life in the year. But this Shunammite man and woman, they, they also invested their resources. They invested their time, but they also invested their resources so that the man of God would have a place to stay, so that the anointing of God could reside under their roof. Truth be told, most of us, we live our lives in such a way that if God did ask us to do something significant, we couldn't afford to. Because we are strapped, we are living paycheck to paycheck. And so if God did challenge us in any way to do anything financially significant for the kingdom of God, we are not in a place where we can do that. If we could just learn to live within our means and produce some type of margin in our lives, we just might be able to do something significant for the kingdom of God. And so let me challenge you with this. Get control of your, your calendar, but also get control of your finances. It's okay that you don't have what they have. It's okay not to keep up with the Joneses. It's okay to live life a little bit more simplistic. One day the, the Bible tells us that Elisha is passing through and, and he and his servants stop at brother and sister Shunammite's house. And, and as, they, as they stop there, they, they rest for the evening and, and Elisha is overcome with gratitude. And the Bible says that, that he looks at his servant and he says, I want you to go to that Shunammite woman. He said, and I want you to ask her what we can do for her as an appreciation for her building this room onto their house. What can we do for her and her family? He said, maybe, maybe we can put in a good word with the king for her, or maybe we can put in a good word with the commander of the army. And so the, the servant goes to her and says, Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, wants to do something for you. He said, can he put in a good word for the king or, or with the commander of the army? Can, can, can we do something like that for you? And she says, listen, listen, I, I stick to my own. In other words, I don't venture out much. I'm a homebody. I just like staying around my, my house, my compound. This is where I, I reside. So no, I don't, I don't need anything. And Servant returns back to Elisha and says, she, she's pretty happy with just the way things are right now. I don't know if she was as, as happy as, as what maybe she was letting on because there, there's still something that's missing there. For some of us, we put on that face. We go through the year and we put on that face and it, it's just a facade is all it is. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to put on that facade because I, I, I am the man of God, right? I, I'm supposed to walk in faith. Do you know how many times this year I have walked in discouragement simply because of that building project that sits out there on Highway 26? I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I walked out there two weeks ago and me and Pastor Scott and Pastor Andrew are standing out there and I'm, I'm looking and 
the, the part of the plumbing is done and they're waiting on an inspection and I'm looking and I'm just looking at the shape of the building and I'm thinking to myself, that plumbing is in the wrong spot. It's on the right side of the building, but it's about 30 feet off. It was too close to the road. And I said, this isn't right. And I look at, at Pastor Scott, Pastor Andrew, and I said, this isn't, isn't right. So I, I called the foreman for the job and got a hold of him. And I said, can you meet me out at the property? He said, I'll be there in an hour. He called the plumber and we all convened out there on the property. And I sh I'm the only one that showed up with plans and, and I roll out the plans and proved to them that this, this thing was about 30 feet off, which puts the whole project another two weeks behind, by the way. Do you know what it feels like to, to put on that facade, to put on that face and walk in here and do all the Christmas services that we do at, 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 at DCC and, and knowing that our project is another two weeks behind and we're just really getting started? I know what this feels like. And some of you, you walk in here week after week and you're putting on this facade of faith, but deep down inside you don't have any faith. Because the enemy has stripped you of that faith. And 2018 was not the year that you were expecting. There was something that was missing in this Shunammite woman's life. Something that she needed. And so Elisha looks at his servant. He said, there must be something. What can we do for this woman? And the servant knew. He said, well, she doesn't have a son. And her husband is old. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of that, but you, you can figure that part out. Her husband is old and they don't have a child. And so that's where we pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 15. He being, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he being Elisha, he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And Elisha said, at this season, about this time next year, say this time next year. No, no, church, we didn't come this far today for you just to tiptoe through this, okay? I want you to say it like you mean it. Say, this time next year. There you go. He said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, now you can see where her heart's at, because here, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And here's what she says. She says, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. In other words, don't get my expectations up right here. Don't get my hopes up, Okay. Don't lie to me. It's obvious I don't have a child, but don't lie to me right here in this moment. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time the following spring as Elisha had said to her. About this time next year. It reminds me of this story, this parable that Jesus told back in, in Luke chapter 16. I want to read it to you today because it fits so great with this. It, it, in Luke 13, verses 6 through 9, it says, And Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the, the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig it up and put on manure. Then... If it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Let me tell you what this vine dresser was saying to the owner of the property there. He was saying, don't look at this tree's past. Don't look at the, the tree's unfruitful years and what it hasn't done. Don't look at how this tree has, has failed, but 
But instead, let's start looking at this tree's future. He, he looked at the owner of the property and said, let's give this thing one more year. One more year. He said, don't give up. Give it one more year because this time next year, this tree could look a whole lot different than it does right now. Here's what God does in our lives to make us more fruitful and, and, and to make your 2019 more fruitful. This may be how it plays out for you. The vine dresser disturbed the ground around the tree. He started digging up roots around it. He was disturbing the ground. How many of you have ever had God disturb the ground around your life? Amen? Man, God will mess you up and you will feel like the bottom is about to fall out. But all he's doing is preparing you. Well, pastor, what is he preparing you for? Listen, I, I've battled with this all morning. I've been trying to figure out how I was going to say this. And if your kids are in here and, and you don't like me using this word, your kids should have been in children's church. But here we go. You ready? He will disturb the ground around your tree, around your life, just so he can pour more crap on it. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Because they would use animal dung as fertilizer. They would use waste from animals to put around these trees. And the vine dresser dug around this tree and he poured on the fertilizer. He put on the manure. He put it all around that tree. Why? Because sometimes God will pour more crap onto your life just so you can become more fruitful. And you've been running from it. You've been trying to figure out what God is up to and you don't understand why you're going through all these hardships. But I want you to understand this today. God is creating an environment for growth. God is creating an environment so that fruit can come forth out of your life. In Genesis chapter 18, God told Abraham, he said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your, your wife, shall have a son. If you know this story, you'll know Sarah was, was standing outside the tent and she overhears this conversation between the Lord and Abraham. And if you know the story, you'll know what happens. She can't control herself when God says about this time next year, you and Sarah are going to have a son. She's standing outside the tent and she starts laughing. Some of you right now, you're on the verge of laughing right now because you're, you are so deep in your despair. You, it's almost comical to you to think that God can bring you out of where you're at right now. Verse 13 of chapter 18 of Genesis says, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. Say this time next year. Much better. I think you're getting it. I think this is getting in your spirit right now. He says, about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Let me tell you something, Sarah. Go ahead and laugh at God if you want to. Boom, morning sickness. <laughs> Go ahead, Sarah. Have your pity party. Laugh at God if you want to. But boom. Start waking up in the middle of the night at age 90 to nurse your baby boy, Isaac. You don't think God has a sense of humor? Absolutely God does. You laugh at him when he's getting ready to bless you. And he just might pour out blessings on you so much that you will just not be able to control all of the blessings. Who's laughing now, Sarah? You see, God is not troubled by your current circumstances at all. 
God's not troubled by your current circumstances. Your lack of resources doesn't scare God. Your lack of companionship, that doesn't scare God. Your lack of fertility doesn't scare God. God is not troubled by your last year. He is certainly not troubled by your past decade. And he is not troubled by your lifetime. God is ready to do some changes in your life. And this time next year is going to look a whole lot different than this time this year. I know what I'm talking about. Because Mandy and I have experienced this. It's impossible for me to go through this time of the year and not think back. Because December the 31st, 1996, it was hard for Mandy and I to look forward to the next year. We had been through so much. 1996 had been the worst year of our lives, hand down. We've never experienced a year worse than that. Mandy had just completed her last chemo treatment that December. We had fought cancer. And those of you that know the story, you'll know that we were told that we would probably never have children and we weren't trying. We were just trying to, to save Mandy's life. That was the battle, that was the fight, that was the struggle that we were in. And on December the 31st, 1996, it was hard to celebrate. But you fast forward to December the 31st, 1997. And in one year's time, our lives look completely different. Mandy had been given a clean bill of health early in the year. During the first quarter of the year, we found out that she was pregnant, even though she was on birth control. They failed to tell us that chemotherapy and the type that she has stays in your body for one year and counteracts the type of birth control that she was on. Being told that we would probably never have children anyway. We were not expecting to be expecting. See, some of you, you showed up at Destiny Community Church today not expecting to be expecting. Man, has God got something for you. You better get ready for that morning sickness. You better get ready for birth pains. In October of 1997, after a few trials along the way and even an emergency room doctor looking at us one time and saying, you're losing one of the twins, we need to do a DNC. And Mandy and I refused. We refused. We were thinking about this this past week and we were talking about it with our kids and we were telling them and reminding ourselves of the story that we were in that, that North Florida ER. And this doctor got so angry with me. I was young. I was 20, what, 21 years, 22 years old. And he got so angry with me because I demanded that they do an ultrasound. He said, 
you're wasting our time, you're wasting resources. I wonder how many people looked at the Shunammite man and woman and said, you're wasting resources. I told him, I said, I don't care what it, what it costs. If I have to, I'll pay on it for the rest of my life. I don't care. But before you do anything, we're going to do an ultrasound. They did that ultrasound, and there were two strong heartbeats, twin A and twin B. Both strong. In October of 97, those twins were born. In October the 31st, 1997, one year later, our lives were drastically different. Now we had kids. And before we were ever married, Mandy had the names picked out for them. She used to write it down on paper. Kendall Nicole, Caleb Thomas. Dreaming of that day. One year later, those dreams became a reality. This time next year, your life is going to look different. You may not have a dollar to your name this year, but by this time next year, you will have more than what you need. You, you may not have a job this year, but Prophetically speaking, by this time next year, you may own the company. You may not have one man interested in you this year. But by this time next year, you may be married. Don't rush it, Kendall. <laughs> you may not be expecting a child this year. But by this time next year, you may have twins. Some of the women are running for the doors right now. So here's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> double portion, Lord, double portion. In Jesus' name. Here's what I'm saying. You better build that room. You better make room for God's blessing. You invest the right time and you invite, invest the right resources and you watch what God begins to do in your life. Somebody needs to prepare a nursery. I've often wondered about this story. When that Shunammite man and woman, that husband and wife, when they gave birth to that son, did Elisha move out of that room that they built and that became the nursery? I'm just saying, is it possible? You better, you better make room for that blessing that God has for your life. Because this time next year will look completely different than this time this year. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.